In this episode, we cover The Draw, a tag application service that will help you plan your hunts, go on more hunts, and never miss an application deadline again. On top of all that, kids apply free. You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford professional archer hey everyone i'm christy titus and you are listening to archery maniac we cover everything archery from the hunting side to the tournament side with stories tips and tactics gear reviews and more that that helped my tuning game so much when i made sure that all my arrows were square and i'm just staring into his eyes blood's dripping off of its tines mud is everywhere the clarity these mavens offer is amazing i'm just like spider-man you know on this rock just laying there (laughs) belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. Battle Mountain Media updates. Check out the brand new website at battlemountainmedia.com. Battle Mountain Podcast launches Wednesday, July 1st and covers everything outdoors except archery. All archery topics will remain here on the Archery Maniacs podcast. If you are interested in hunting videos, gear reviews, kill shot compilation, how-to videos, and more, Battle Mountain Media YouTube channel has weekly uploads with those topics. Now, let's get into the show. The podcast, it is, it is now going, so thank you everyone for tuning into the podcast. I have Jordan Christensen with The Draw here, and I have Jason, Jason, I don't know your last Browning. name. Jason Browning here on my right <laughs> also an owner of the draw also an owner of the draw yes and and that's we're, we're going to dive into the draw what the draw is what they provide kind of some of the insight that these guys know because i think it's and it was really an aha moment for me when i started talking with jordan about wyoming a state that i've lived in my whole life and I've always just kind of focused on the general license, honestly, because I just I just want to go hunting, you know, and he started saying, well, you know, you can look at this, you know, you look at that. And I'm like, I didn't even know any of that shit. (laughs) So um, they're just really in the trenches and know a lot about it. So with that, I'll just let them take it from there. Yeah, for sure. No, thanks for having us for sure, Zach. And uh, uh, thanks for all you're doing with us. Uh, It it means a lot. you know, I think that you kind of hit on a on a key point there. I mean, I don't think that what we do is inherently that special. I don't think that it's uh, anything that we know or or what we're helping guys understand is really anything that that is like not available. But in the same light, if you don't have the time and the opportunities that we've had to to research and study, how could you know, right? right, right. And, and it's what we do, just like anybody else uh, finds uh, ways to excel in what they do for a living, understanding application processes, and, and maybe as importantly, understanding how to play off of each of those processes in each of the different states to create a plan so that we can go hunting as often as we wanna go without and using applications to create those opportunities instead of uh you know in hunting nowadays it's either you draw or you pull out your checkbook like one or the other and sometimes maybe it's like a a resident over-the-counter type permit it's not so expensive but as soon as we start getting especially away from our uh where we live and and out of our comfort zone oftentimes it starts to mean landowner permits and vouchers and things like that it's so available there's i mean there's so much out there and it's good stuff but for me and what i'm trying to do is i'm i i would rather not invest in that type of stuff for the amount of money they're asking and i'm going to use the application processes to create those opportunities and and save myself thousands uh, not only per year but over many many years that's awesome because i i think that then takes the money aspect out as best as you can right Right. i mean there's still an investment right but it's a fraction of i mean we're gonna spend i mean even a very aggressive hunt plan will cost 20 percent of what a decent elk tag is going to be yeah one decent elk tag in 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 new mexico or nevada or utah 
or, or, or in Colorado in a lot of these different places. It, it'll be a fraction of that and you'll still have and, and the idea isn't that it's a one-off thing. Like you now, with that investment, have loaded a pipeline that's creating lots of opportunities. And if we're doing it correctly, you know, it's, it's around applications that actually have finish lines associated with them. So that there's a jump rope swinging so that we're not randomly grabbing a handful of darts, just throwing it at the wall and hoping one of them sticks each year. Now, mind you, I have a very broad... I, uh, you know me, like I'm completely addicted to it. I put in for everything, but I do have stuff that is essentially, you know, that's my unicorn stuff. This is the hard, hard to draw things. And, but I find that very few people feel the same way I do about applications. Meanwhile, they just want to go hunting. And with only two or three applications, four or five applications per year, there is a, a jump rope swinging that you're going to find that you don't need to stay home. You can go as often as you want within a small box. Now, as hunters, we, I call, I call it hunter progression, right? I, uh, hunting is a progressive sport. The idea that we're going to want in 10 years from now or five years from now, the same thing that we want now is typically not the case, right? We're always looking for what's on the other side of the mountain, whether it's a new experience, a new adventure, a new species, or, or uh, something bigger than we've done in the past. Like we always just have that drive to do something more. And that's where we come in to show guys, okay, where are we at now? And now let's try and look into that crystal ball and prepare for where we want to be and, and actually uh, address that progression and get ready for it so that we're not sitting there five years from now, starting over again and having this like, oh, what are we gonna do? How, you know, how do I get there? It's always been in the back, in the background, working towards and acknowledging that it's it, it inherently is going to happen. We want something different or better, faster, stronger, whatever it is. I like bigger, bigger, faster. Yes. <laughs> My wife doesn't like that. I like that, but <laughs> right. You know, but I, I you know I agree because I, like I said I I've definitely I'm so far on the opposite end of spending lots of money to hunt something and not that i have i have zero issues against that i am just like if i can get this tag every year cool i can learn that area and just get better and better and better at that area and just keep going every single year right you know and that's how that's honestly how i've always looked at all of it i'm like i'm like points who the hell wants points what am i gonna do with a point you know right <laughs> <laughs> no, and and you know, like Jason's uh, personal experiences, right? Like his his application game has definitely evolved in the last couple of years as we've got rolling with this, and and you're seeing him, you know, uh, get involved in more. But you know, his desire to go just because he wants to go is a little bit different than mine. When Jason goes, his progression and how successful he's been as you know in in previous life as a guide and an outfitter and his own personal hunting endeavors has a, has put him in a position where he's not just looking to go for the sake of going he wants something special because he's done he doesn't need to check a box he wants a next level experience and and so his hunt plan that that he operates on is is a lot different than mine per se right, right now right. in my life and everybody's is. We often look at each other and just shake our head. Like, what are you doing? Why? What do you do that for? Yeah. And it's so different because the progression is so different from what, what he's doing and what I'm doing. Everybody's goals. And every are, customer is different. It doesn't matter if you're two brothers or or a father and son. You know, father and son's a big one, right? Because, it, you know, points and, and investing in applications is almost like uh, uh, like what you would if you went to some financial advisor and, and it's a father and a son walking into a financial advisor and both of them have the same end goal, I want to retire. Well, the, what the father needs to accomplish on a month-to-month -month or a year-by-year -year basis to end at the same place is a lot different than what the, 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 the son is going to have to invest to end up at the same finish line, right? So the, the son gets to put a lot less into it and end up with the same result because he has a lot more time to accomplish that goal versus the dad who hasn't started either, but now it's time. He needs to shove it all into a tight spot. Applications in a in, in a... This, you know, one level or the other, uh, 
is a lot similar to that. And so, it, again, brother to brother, father to son, everybody's got a different plan that's going to be unique to them and what their time frames and their budget and their dreams and their goals are. But the key is having a plan. But yeah, nobody, you know, gets a extra chunk of money and just opens up their laptop and buys 10 stocks, closes their laptop and walks off and then says in 10 years, I'm going to have some money left. Like nobody does that. Well, you shouldn't do that with your hunting plan either. You should have a definite plan with goals that are attainable throughout a certain time span. And and just like a good financial advisor, see results. You, you know, we're not talking about like getting this like plan together so that at some day we hit the end of the rainbow and we and we finally draw some unicorn tag somewhere that's just too good to be true. It's it's again addressing that progression so that we're hunting the entire time. We, we you know, if a guy calls me and he says, I want to go elk hunting every year. Every year, I, I, you know, it's a common question we ask guys is, okay, in a 10-year period, if you could dream this up and, and there was no variables associated with it, how often would you go? Is it once a year? Is it a once-in-a-lifetime hunt? Is it, is it twice a year? Is it once every four years? What, what is the goal? Like, how engaged do you want to be in this? And truthfully, in, uh, for me, it doesn't matter what their answer is. Like, I'm not looking, f- you know, I don't need per se, to, to have them conform to any one way or the other. Whatever their answer is, I believe firmly that I can accomplish it with applications. And, and, and if they want to go every year, I can do that. And they can, now they're going to hunt different places one, you know, one year and the next year, and they're going to have a bit of a jump rope. But that also doesn't mean that we're in 10 different states and 10 different places. Like we can really shrink that down into a tight fit, depending on what kind of bulls are looking for, what style of hunting they're looking for, all of those types of things. And more often than not, I sure can get it done with guys uh, a lot more than they initially think is possible. Gotcha. Starting year one. Right, right. And what I, what I, and I don't know what you guys typically advise, right? But when somebody will reach out to me and more, more so not really for advice on where to apply, but just kind of discussing it, right? So they'll say something along the lines of like, yeah, I I really want to hunt X tag, which is typically a premium tag. And let's just go with elk. And they're like, yep, I want to hunt this tag. And I just kind of think to myself, well, it's going to take you a long time to draw that tag. What are you going to do in the meantime? I'm just going to build points. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's sure. Build your points. But I would suggest hunting along the way so that when you get this premium tag, you don't shoot a 300 inch bull. Because yeah. that's not why you want that premium tag. Let's be honest. You don't. You want to shoot a great animal. I mean, they're all great. But you want to shoot something that you're like, oh, my gosh, look at the size of that animal. And if you haven't been hunting, <laughs> the chances of a 300 elk getting you going, which it should, and you deciding to shoot that 300 inch bull on your once in a lifetime tag is probably going to go up. Not only that, just the skills and stuff required for, you know, especially, yeah. especially like a bow hunt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the idea, especially, you know, if we're just getting into any whatever facet, you know, the idea that I could go out to the Midwest or the East Coast, you know, the Eastern uh, side of the country and just, you know, I mean, I've hunted whitetails quite a bit now over over the years, but the idea of I was just going to go out there my first time and shoot some 170 inch deer, like the truth of the matter is, is that that's super unrealistic. A 120, 130 class. Sure. Like that. Now I'm dealing with a younger age class animal. I'm starting to cut my teeth on it. I'm starting to learn you know, different tricks and tips and things that work, whether it be calling or rattling or something like that. And eventually that day comes where maybe I am in, you know, first week of of November in Iowa, zone four, zone five, and all the pieces of puzzle. And I'm ready to capitalize on a truly unique and exciting opportunity. The same goes for any type of hunting, whether it's mule deer or elk. If you're just going into the Super Bowl, if you know, I, I have I have guys, you know, uh, occasionally that'll call me and they're like, listen, I've been putting in for Arizona for 18 years and and 
that's it. That's all they've done. Arizona elk for 18 years. And 18 years ago, this, this guy has a goal that I want to shoot a great big bull. He's never hunted elk before in his life. And now he's about to head into, you know, the Super Bowl uh, uh, of, of elk hunting. And he's never even taken a snap. The idea that you're going to go and you're going to put a five-day window or a seven-day window and say that every dream and goal I ever dreamed of for elk hunting is going to happen in this time frame and 18 years from now is so unlikely and so unrealistic. So it's not about, I mean, I have lots of guys that want to do a bucket list type hunt. Just, I need it one time and done. And that's fine. There's tons of it. And there's places that I know that have insanely high success rates and all of that. But the big one, like you're talking about, that's that they're just, that's not a realistic goal to say that I'm going to put this one time, this one blocked out period that everything I dreamed of is going to happen. But if we hunt, doesn't have to be every year, but if we're hunting continuously while we've got some sort of long-term goal like that building in the background, the day that it finally happens, we will be so much more prepared to capitalize on truly how unique and special those opportunities are. And, and depending on your age and depending on your goals and your budget and everything else, you know, you may not even have that long-term goal in there. Maybe that's not part of your agenda, but if it is, and we're looking for that elite, you know, something truly special and elite, then sometimes it does take a while to get it, but it doesn't mean to not hunt in the meantime. I think it's important too when you go on that once in a lifetime hunt that you've saved up and planned for for 20 years and you do kill that great 380 bull. If that's your first bull elk, I believe it's hard for you to realize what you've actually done. Now you did it. You waited the 20 years. You booked with the right outfitter. You did all the things right and you killed a great bull. But if you had hunted elk four, five, six times during that 20 years, that bull will be a lot more meaningful to you because you will really truly understand what elk hunting and you can apply it to any species right i mean jordan said you can't just go to the midwest and shoot a giant whitetail your first time but i think you can because i did and and i was like with the right people with the right on the, people. On the right the, on the right properties and and speaking for myself personally i wish i had hunted whitetails a lot more because jordan's progression in whitetail hunting has been a lot more i don't know true i don't know what the right, right word is but he, he, he appreciated my deer more than me almost because he'd cut his teeth on all these hunts getting to that point. Whereas I, I went with the right people and I, I had a lot of luck involved and I killed a giant deer my first time, the second time, I guess, out there. Right. And I, I think it's important to get those other hunts in there prior to that dream hunt. Yeah, I, I could definitely say that. And because like you say, you, you, you almost don't know what you did. Sure. Right. You know, I mean, that, and that was, that was one of the reasons that this, this it's a hunt, common one for us in New Mexico when we take guys Oryx uh, or, or Ibex hunting, right? Like they just want to get one, right? And, and sometimes we do something special. Sometimes we walk up to, you know, 40 inch Oryx or, or, a, you know, a giant Ibex and to them, they got one and there's so much satisfaction in that they've invested in the hunt and they've succeeded. But for us, if it is one of those, we we're geeking out, like we're, we can't believe what we've done. And at the end of the day, it's just a spike to them. <laughs> they, they, just, they got another, they killed a spike. Yep, and, and, box, yeah, so. and we're like, Oh my gosh, it's got some swirls too, you know, guys. And, and for us, especially on a, on, on those types of animals, I mean, we're talking, you know, three, four inches and that's, that's the geek out, right? Like that goes from being, yeah, it's a nice one to like, oh my gosh, look how big this one is. And this guy's trying to figure out why the length of half a dollar bill mattered that much. But when you've been around it so much and, and done so many times, it doesn't like that is unique. That's special. That last it three inches is, is truly special. And they go home and they get it mounted and they put it on their wall and they're happy they got one, but they're, how could they have as, as deep an appreciation when we've walked up to hundreds of them right. and that one is a top 10 for us. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and it's just, it was, it was, it was just like Willie's hunt. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a guy that is hunted elk for 20, 30 years yeah. and the likelihood of a bull that big Every hunter wants one that big, of course, yep. but you typically don't go to the woods thinking, yep, it's that one or nothing. Right. You know, and you, then you better have a stack of them in your garage. You can't run and jump over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so when that does happen, 
just like we discussed, he had elk hunted so long that it was an emotional moment. It was like you were talking with the orcs, like, oh my God, look, look at what we did. And you're dealing with an, a, a bull that was a much higher age class yep. than, than you're used to dealing with. You don't, you don't get as many opportunities to, to work and hunt bulls or, you know, any animal that, that is super mature like that. But because of Willie's 20 plus years of preparing, he was ready to capitalize on the moment that he had because he was finally in the right place at the right time with the right bull, with the right tag, with the right team. And, and all things came together and he killed it. But all of that started by having the right application. Yeah. The right unit. On a, it absolutely. all started a year before that. Well, I think that brings up a a, an interesting point because like I find so many guys I talk to, you know, and, and God bless them. And I, and I think they're already on the right track because they're on the phone with us. But, but how many guys do we know that are just like super intense hunters, right? Like they'll do anything. They'll go farther. I mean, as, as hunters, we talk about like, if we can go further into the forest, if we can hike more, if we can spend more time glassing, if we can glass farther, if we can, all these, these things that we're out hunting the other hunters, we're outworking them. And because we outwork them, then inherently we're more successful. Well, for me, that begins, that outworking them, out hustling them starts with the application. If you are putting the investment and the time into the application, that's you already starting to set yourself apart yeah. from thousands of other hunters. And you're already starting to work harder than them before you ever even hit the mountain. Yeah. And, and I think a huge part of that is part, you know, obviously a big part of the application is diving into the maps, diving into Google Earth, looking at statistics and all that kind of stuff, which is what you guys can help with. Oh, it's which a is, one call. But, uh, but I mean, instead literally, of, I call you up and I'm like 20, you know, 20, 30 minutes and hoping you find something or hours or days, right. it's a five minute phone call. Yeah. And you're pointed north. You know what direction but like, north yeah, is. I, I call because up we've done it. Already. Jordan and I go, I want to bow hunt New Mexico elk and I want to be in X kind of terrain. And I don't really care if I see a lot of elk, but I want at least one opportunity the whole time I'm there. Jordan's going to be like, well, this is where we should have put you in. And if they want to, we can dive into why. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and as we build a track record and we build a relationship, the whys start, you know, getting a lot less. But as we're getting started with a guy, I get it. I, I, and, I, and if I was them, I would want me to take the time or Frank, you know, or Gilbert or Jason or whoever they're on the phone with. And they will. Like, it, it, it's important to establish that relationship. The idea that you would just call up a voice on the phone and then just do what they say verbatim is super unrealistic. So we take the time and we make sure that if we do have a suggestion, we can back it up with all the data to say, this is why we feel the way that we do. And, and I think as we get started with guys, that's such a critical piece of the puzzle. Ladies and now and when you've gone through- If you have lost hold up. Apple Watch- I have not. Have the Mule Foundation booth. I don't like my Apple iPhone, so I'm not going to buy an Apple Watch. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about. I did too. Engagement, like when the when the oh, yeah. oh that's right, yeah. having an engaged conversation, <laughs> with, and it goes both ways. Yeah, I mean, it, the the uh, at, at once you've done, you know, once you've done ten hunts or five hunts or whatever it is that that we've done together and each of them continue to be what we describe them to be at the beginning a lot of times for for some not for all the why stops and now you truly are on a you're on a text message or a 30 second phone call and you're like where and i and we give an answer and it's like okay and it's done but there's no way to you know, you can't be like that at the beginning for two reasons. <coughs> Sorry. F first of all, because there's not <coughs> Judas. You're going to make it? No. This is, this is how intense he is about the application process. He's getting choked you up. You got to come up yeah, for I'm air. About to come cry. up for air. I'm about to cry. <laughs> um, it, the idea that, that someone would just take verbatim at first glance that when they're getting started is wouldn't be a good plan anyways, because I don't know them. 
my consultants don't know who we're talking to. So those details are important for both sides of the equation. And as we build a track record together, then, then that's where the success really starts happening. Right. And, and I think that's, I think that's a really good point to make because now that Jordan knows me, if I call him up and I say, Hey, I'm willing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to shoot that animal. He now knows that's true. Right. But before I ever met him, if I call him up and say, Hey, yeah, I'm willing, you know, I'll do whatever it takes. He'd be like, uh, what does that really mean? You know, right. <laughs> I'm just a voice on the phone to so many, but they're just voices to me. Right. Until we build a track record in history. Earlier this morning, you were talking about archery ibex hunting. Right. And if you got a guy who calls you on the phone, he's like, hey, I want to go archery ibex hunting in New Mexico. The first thing me and Jordan do is, well, tell me something about you. Because that's not easy. Right. And I looked right at you and you're like, yeah, you, you could do that. I, because I, we know you. I try right. to scare him off. Yeah. Like, I tell, like my normal thing when a guy brings up archery ibex hunting, I'm like, yeah, no, super cool hunt. Like it is one of the coolest things in the country. Yeah, and if you can shoot a bow 150 yards with a 40 mile an hour crosswind <laughs> at an 80 degree angle, you should be fine. I know. And so I mean, that's six percent body fat. Yeah, and, you know. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, as soon as I like, I'm trying to scare them off of it because because uh, you know we've got what a three to four percent success rate yeah. per hunt per year out there. A hundred <laughs> archers are going on that rock. And, and maybe three or four of them are coming home successful. And usually only one of those actually kills a billy. You know, so it's, it's often even just nannies that are coming off of there as the success rate. So you truly have to vet, you know, I've got to vet the, the hunter because I don't want to do that to a guy. I don't want some guy to come out like and have like, a horrible experience because it was it was completely right. over outside of his his skill set to even attempt such a thing and and not every hunt is like that but you know case in point the ibex uh, I'm all I have is a voice on the phone and I've got to figure out and ask questions and we've got to spend the time on the phone to get to know each other so that if we do lock into something like that it truly is uh it's a good fit for for everyone right and and i think i think that that brings up a great point whether it be ibex or whatever else i think you see an ibex you know that that's a great example and you go what a cool animal and then it's even up higher on the pedestal and it's like with a bow Right. But that happens on every single animal. How cool would it be to shoot a 400 and choke? Probably just as cool for you if you shot a 330, honestly, for most people. I mean, let's let's be honest. The, the number of people that have truly shot a 350 and higher elk is really not that well, high. And, and, you know, there's definitely <clears throat> some value to the point systems that exist in the country. Um, I, 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 you know, I think that the idea that it allows us all as hunters to have relevant conversations about what we saw, what we didn't see, what to expect as far as age class and, you know, in different hunts and things like that. But at the end of the day, also, I, I, after guiding for, you know, a, a decade in the Western United States, I would imagine Jason can attest to this as well. When a guy on the phone tells me he wants a 350 class bull and he's never been elk hunting before out, out West, his perception of what a th what an actual 350 class bull is versus what a 300 inch bull is i can have a guy tell me i want a 300 a 350 class bull and and i tell him well i don't know if we can you know that's that's a tall order doesn't matter if we're on private land public land you know you name it that is a truly exceptional representation and i say you know and that's going to take some time let me show you some hunts that i have that are a lot sooner than later type experiences and i'm gonna and i'm gonna introduce you to some guys and i'll send them some sort of link on our website to a hunt that's got 10 different pictures of 300 to 310 class bulls on it and they're like oh yes right immediately yeah. like a, like yes sign me up six by sixes six by sevens you right. know heavy long all these all the right pieces of the puzzle but they just have this number that they that they have in their mind that they've been taught is the number well it's because of social media too <clears throat> right you know they get they get this big number in their head because whoever it is on social media that they look up to which is cool that's great look up to you that's awesome but they're killing great big bulls. 
but they're not looking at that and thinking he put in 30 years of spikes and raghorns before he was consistently killing elk like that. And and the applications and the time and, there, and everything. Yeah, all and, of it. You know, and the one thing I would want to kind of pull back the reins a little bit, too, is that the idea that it takes 20 or 30 years to go on hunts like that is not you know, I think we've kind of gone down a rabbit hole. There's so much of that that is that is out there. Meanwhile, there is so much good stuff that doesn't have that kind of finish line around it um, that still has the, that type of age class where, you know, if within zero to five years, depending, again, style of hunting, physicality, uh, how far from the rut you're willing to hunt and the types of weapons you're willing to hunt with that, there are these opportunities for those type of bulls with much less time invested right. as, as well. Now, are they the dream hunt where you're on a unit that has an insane track record right during the heat of the rut with whatever weapon you prefer? Um, no, not necessarily, but there is so much good stuff that you can go on with zero to five points that doesn't take take that but if you're looking for that truly home run like the layup for a 350 kind of bull then sometimes those are <laughs> the longer term type goals but if we're but if we want chances you know i talked to a good friend of ours uh of me and jason's yesterday and 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 in a nutshell what the basis of that conversation is is you can't kill them if you're not hunting them right so go hunt them yeah. Be out there. Wait for the, ano the there is anomalies all the time that happen. And so even if you're in a, an area that has an average bull of 300 to 310, that doesn't mean that somebody's not coming out of there with a 350. Right. That does happen. It happens <laughs> all the time. And the only way that you would be there when that opportunity came for you is to be hunting more. Be right. there. Go be hunting. There. Go get out there and be aggressive. Another real cool thing that we get to do about at the draw is all that what we just talked about but if you are that guy who's hunted elk 25 times and that 350 bull is eluding you that 370 bull is eluding you we take care of that guy too you know we have the knowledge we we know the places okay this guy's just can't he's tried 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 he needs Call to get us. over the hump yeah we have advice for that guy too we have from starting out to finishing out we have yeah. the gamut well i i think that would be kind of actually kind of cool to cover on this let's take me as a client for you guys sure. and let's walk through two very different scenarios, right? Number one, I call up and I say, I have no points and I want to hunt mule deer in two different States. And I want to hunt elk in one other state other than my home state. Where do I start? You know, so you're, you're a unique one, right? Because my go-to for a, a guy that's that it, it, most of the time is, uh, if they're not from Wyoming, stop it, sending people to my state. So I think in a nutshell, um, but wait, let's pretend I'm not there. Yeah, okay. Let's pretend I'm not because lots of the listeners will, will be not from Wyoming. Most right? likely. So, I mean, we only, so we best value in the whole game, in my opinion, and something everyone should be doing is building points for deer, elk and antelope in, in, in Wyoming, $127 and 11 cents a year. And with, Three points or less. Eleven cents. No, and I'm not making fun of you for that. I am. I'm. I want emphasis on that because that's how much you're into it, and and I respect that because that that just shows. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It shows what you're paying attention to the details. There, it really does. Sure. And it speaks volumes for it. And I I just I want to emphasize the amount of time and effort and energy you're putting into it because. Yeah. It's not like you're saying, yeah, it's like, it's like 115 bucks. Like, you know, I know what it, it is. He you knows know? what it is. Yeah, I know <laughs> what it is. Yeah. No. And so, you know, so deer, elk and antelope. Now, maybe you don't want antelope, but for, again, I'm going to so embarrass Keep myself. $31.78 a year. How do you not also, and, and I'm going to go over antelope as why this becomes a backup plan. I always talk to you about what, what's our backup plan, mm -hmm. right? Um, so we get started with deer, elk, and antelope. And the reason that we do in that in Wyoming is because of the way that that system is designed to work. It's called a modified preference point system. So whoever has the most points, it's like a linear line, right? So bonus points mean raffle tickets. Preference points means whoever has the most points draws. It's a linear line. It's your turn to go hunting. Well, in Wyoming, with three points or less, you can go on that general elk hunt, which encompasses almost half the state of Wyoming. 
right? So really the does. whole western side, the whole <clears throat> eastern side, and a few scattered in the middle, you can go three points or less, go, go hunting there. The deer with one point and even zero points sometimes, there becomes obscene amount of options to go DIY, public land, fully guided, private land, you name it. There is options across the gamut, super physical, um, you know, above Alpine, you know, above timberline type hunts, clear down to the desert and into the prairie on the, on the Eastern side of the state. And so it, it, where I'm starting typically is, um, is we're going to start with Wyoming. Now, inherently the first year, if we're just building points because that's such a great value and we know that it would be quite low drawing odds with zero points, I typically want to throw New Mexico in as my flyer. That's my ace in the hole. That's a random draw system that that everyone has equal odds. And nowadays in, in the point game, equal odds are the best odds, no matter what. No matter how low they are, if you have the same chance as everybody else, that's good odds. That's the best odds. Right? It's the very best odds. So if I'm going to have a guy that wants to go often, he wants to get into elk hunting, I'm typically going to have him start with Wyoming. We're going to have New Mexico as our flyer, as our ace in the hole to get lucky. We're going to probably start, depending on the caliber of bulls that he's looking for, we're going to get started in Colorado. But we're going to draw stuff in Colorado. We're not going to these overrun, outrageously overhunted, over-the-counter areas. With one or two points, there is so many options that will avoid the, the, All that. the pitfalls that so many of us are aware of in Colorado. And then if I have, uh, if I want my backup plan, not my backup plan, I want my more medium to long-term goal, I'm going to throw Arizona into the mix. So if a guy tells me I want to go hunting as like at least six or eight times in a 10-year period for elk, if I have just those four states for him, he we can accomplish that. Now, we're not going to be in the same place twice year over year, but we are going to be in the same place a couple of times over a 10-year period, which truly is the, is the key to success because now we have a track record in there. Where we're going to start hunting the second time we've been to an area is almost always different than where we started the first year because we know something now. Right. We, we got our right. feet wet and we, we have a track record. And, you know, for a guy looking for a, a, a giant bull like yourself, so using you as an example, you know, I'm probably going to even stay on the same track right there. I don't know that I would do much different. And, like, I, I believe that that western side of Wyoming right now is more physical inherently in, mo in a lot of areas than, than others, but there is some phenomenal bulls. There's good age class. The guys who are willing to work hard are killing some phenomenal bulls. Meanwhile, overall, there's a very high elk density, and every two to three years, you can bank on going hunting in, in Wyoming, whether you choose to go to the Bighorns or the Snowies, or maybe you've got a private ranch that we line you up with, or you're going to the western side and you're either with an outfitter or by yourself or however you want to do it, that's at least three times currently in a 10-year period that you're going to do that, maybe four. In the years that we know you're not going to draw or a, a low probability of drawing, then we're going to do a couple of different things. We're going to roll the dice in New Mexico. Um, uh, we're going to look at, at Colorado because with second and third rifle season or lots and lots of archery with zero to one or two points, there is just, you name it. I mean, throw a dart at Colorado. There's so much there for the deer, right? Yeah. So, and because it's also a preference point system, we can, we know that we're going to draw that versus the, the luck factor. So if we're choosing right, right. to go to Colorado or we're choosing to go to Wyoming any given year, then that makes sense to pull back the reins on New Mexico. Why would we roll that dice outside of a guy that's like, well, that year I'm not necessarily, I, I don't have much time for two hunts. Maybe I do, but I know I'm going to go to Wyoming. I know I'm going to go to Colorado. So I'm going to be not looking for an opportunity to go hunting in New Mexico. I'm going to swing for the fence. Right. I want, I'm going to, I'm going to try and beat the odds in one of those elite tags any given year. And if that means I have two hunts, then so be it. Um, you know, and, and if it means that we're going to sit one out that we were kind of planning on, but we drew this amazing tag in New Mexico, everybody's got a different, oh, dang. Yeah, everybody's got a different <laughs> rhyme reason why they do that. Right. Meanwhile, you know, little did we, two things are happening. Arizona, if we're even just staying focused on elk, 
there is some finish lines with four and five and six years worth of points that, I mean, I have two guys that I, that I work with that with five points in the max point pool went to an area that is kind of like where me and where, where we went with Willie, right? Yep, yep. Super low elk density, but the age class potential <clears throat> is there. And when it was the smoke cleared in a seven day hunt, the one guy killed a 380 and the other guy killed a 420 with five points, <laughs> right? And, and it was horrible. The guy <laughs> who killed do. a 420, six days without seeing an elk. Six days. It's not for everybody. That's no. not not to say that this is just that's that's just a crappy hunt, man. Yeah, it's crappy. But you the age for class it. is there, and he grinded it out, and he killed not just a great bull. He killed uh, the bull of ten lifetimes when he was there, and he did it on a finish line with five points. When it comes to the deer and the antelope, particularly in Wyoming, I, I mentioned backup plans. We're gonna get to do all of what we did. And, and and we're going to then be able to see what the results of that are. And because the deadline in Wyoming for deer and antelope isn't until May 31st, now we've the smoke is cleared. We either did it or we didn't. And with zero, one, or two points, we're going to be able to choose lots of different options, once again, guided or DIY, to go and lock in uh, clear in the end of May so that at the end of the day, we still had we created a hunting opportunity with applications clear clear into that late into the year right right yeah and and i as as somebody that's fixing to apply with you guys that makes me feel pretty good because when i look at that kind of stuff i get overwhelmed and I, I speak it's that, that's unfair. I mean, not me personally, but let's say I was in somebody's shoes that hasn't been <laughs> that hasn't been hunting several states a year, right? This one was rotten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. That was horrid. It's not good, huh? Not good, huh? I think that was a trick Clay played on you or something. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, let, let's say no, that, curious. you know, I'm not, I'm not somebody that's already been hunting several states a year. I remember back several years ago when I first started looking at that. I looked at Montana, I pulled up their website and I looked at it and I'm like, where in the F do you begin? I, it was so overwhelming. And just having you walk through all that stuff for me, I wish I would have had that the sure. five years ago when I first started, because I wouldn't have freaked out. I didn't even end up but, applying for Montana that year. Well, I was like, what the and do you the, do? You and, know? and the real value isn't even in the one-off state because you're right. I have the same conversation with lots of guys. They go to one state website and they're just like, oh my gosh, like, where do I start? Where do I begin? How do I even start this research? How do I get, get going with it? And the truth of the matter is, is there's not necessarily insane value in each individual one, it truly is the plan. The plan. It's it's understanding now on the next level where how they all incorporate with each other so that you understand when it's the right time to pull out of New Mexico, when is the right time to roll the dice hard there, when, when is the right time to pull back the reins in Colorado. Like, here's a great one that, that I think your listeners can really appreciate. So right now in 2020, the, the fourth rifle season for deer is set to be in November 13 through 17 this coming year, yep. right? There is going to be armies of guys burning anywhere from six to 20 points to go on a fourth season rifle hunt that they've waited some level of time to go. Some for, for two decades or more and some for, for five and six years. But they've invested a lot of time in that, right? right. <clears throat> Those fourth season hunts are always much harder. Lots and lots of units, not all of them, but lots of them with less than five points, sometimes zero points, they can go and hunt second or third rifle season in Colorado, right? Right. Very, so so you throw a dart at Colorado right now, I promise you're gonna hit a county that a 200 inch deer came out of last year. Like that's just how good it is. Every, the worst units in the state are getting managed for 40 bucks per hundred does. I would, I'm pretty uh, bad at darts though. Right. I probably hit Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it, it, what, what I'm getting at is it's the, and how they all work together. So right now in 2020, I'm pulling back the reins on everyone. I am trying to just shield everyone that I can from going and using their points this year in Colorado because next year in the calendar is going to rotate. And that third rifle season is going to be November 13th through 19th 
next year. So they're going to get two more days further into November than they do the fourth season, guys, and they're going to get the exact same hunt or better with zero, one, two, three points that these poor bastards are about to freaking burn nine to, to and 20. Insane amount. And, 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 and they're going to get to go as you know, way sooner with better dates. And in 2021, the draw is going to have an army of dudes headed to Colorado because all of the pieces of the puzzle lined up. So it's not a matter of one off here, one off there. It's truly understanding how those applications start working together to create a super effective plan that makes sense that, I mean, as soon as I say that to you, like that's a no brainer, right? Like, right. Of course, I don't want to go to Colorado this year because I can have 20 different units with better dates than this year's fourth season next year. Like, who's going to say no to that? But if you're not watching how so that doesn't mean you don't want to go hunting this year. But maybe it means that we're going to use one of your backup plants. Maybe right, it means we're going right, to be a little right. more aggressive in New Mexico. New Mexico. But mm -hmm. one way or the other, we're 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 that plan to put it in a box and say, OK, here's your plan. And, and we're going to run with this for 10 years. That's not a plan either. That, you know, we can't do that. It's flexing, it's shifting, it's turning all the time. And if you understand how they each incorporate with each other, now every time we're taking time from our families, we're investing in it, we're doing it with all things on the table and actually having the, the best possible scenario every time for each tag that we choose to go and hunt. Well, and I think uh, one thing is good to mention, I mean, it, it seems like it's kind of a no-brainer, but each one of those points was a year of that person's life, you yeah. know, waiting and hoping and anticipating. So when you're saying that, man, there's this guy's going to burn 20 points. Like, not not that like none of us are old here, but holy crap, right. like that's no, a I mean, lot of life. I, I, I'm only 37, Zach, and I have 20 points in places. Like, I get it. Like, I, I and I think that the 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 idea. It, it truly is pretty humbling, right? Like to have a guy hand over two decades of his life and say, okay, I trust, I trust you. you. I trust you. You know, send me on. A That's cool. I, you can't imagine the responsibility that, that weighs. You and you, pro I promise you, <laughs> like there is an insane amount of research that goes into my why. My, when I put, put my thumb on it and say, okay, this is it. This is your spot. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's a huge demographic of guys that we're working with, to be honest with you, because I I get as many guys just getting started right now. I, actually, that's not true. I get a lot more of just getting started, but I have a definitely a, a group of guys every year that just did it. The year before, they burned their twenty, and they're in their mid fifties, and they're back to building, and and they're at zero points. Right. And the idea of getting started to do this twenty year plan again. Is just like they're not gonna. They're like, why would I do that? How am I and gonna it's even exhausting. get started? Yeah, and it's and like, it's really uh, a kick in the guts to them, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, we can show them that they're not done. That they can, in fact, go and go again, and sooner than later. And I think just uh, uh, you know, so many guys, they get into some point system one way or the other, and inherently, we're always looking up. Right. We're always looking to what's just out of reach. Right. It's this life in general, like kind of dictates that in so many facets. But in the point game, it's I see so many guys that are just out of reach of something that they decided at some point that they wanted that they forget to look back. And as mature as these point systems are across the whole country, there is so many wrinkles and folds now behind them that they didn't realize that they could have gone much Ladies sooner than they have about 20 minutes to sign up for the elk calling competition. I should go do that. No, yeah, are you going to do the elk calling competition? No, so no, I'm not. I'm so on. kidding. I'm one of the worst elk callers you guys could ever meet. You haven't been with me yet, buddy. <laughs> I have. Yeah, you were laying on the on the hillside throwing rocks, remember? <laughs> yep. Turn it up. That's all right. All I was doing was keep him in focus. Don't move. Keep him in focus. Don't move. <laughs> No, it's the truth. I mean, and that's, uh, you know, I think that uh, looking, you know, looking backwards, like I say, it just like it's not in our um, it's just not a normal thing to do when you're building points to look behind you. Right. right. To look to see what else was available. So and and so I think that there is so many opportunities that guys are unaware of because they've just had this tunnel vision 
on that this is how I get there. And 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 if you were if we were 20 years ago, that was the way, right? You just paid your dues, you waited your turn, and then you went on some elite hunt. Well, the truth of the matter is, is some of these and lots of them that take all this time to go hunting truly aren't that special anymore, right? They may not be as special as the points would make you believe that they are. It doesn't mean that it's a great hunt just because it takes a lot of points. It just means it's your turn. Right. right? Uh, Wyoming's a great example of that. And there's definitely some of this in Colorado. But some <coughs> of the very best that I'm aware of takes very few points to go hunting versus some of the stuff that's the very hardest in the state. And it's nothing to do with the age class of animals or the style of hunting. It's typically something like that unit has a decent age class and it has 99% public land and it's not very physical and the whole world who wouldn't want that super like low physicality high age class great dates great dates <laughs> like i mean it's like god like, Seems so, like a no so the world goes there but nowadays with all of the technology that we have in our fingertips whether it's onyx maps or all these different things you know as we look towards some of the private property whether we're hunting on the private or we're hunting around it you can find these little wrinkles and folds that are some of the actually the best that that one state or the other has to offer and yet it it so many people are avoiding those places because they're they're nervous about the style of hunting that they're going to be doing when they get there but guys who are grinders and they want want it and they're comfortable with those types of uh, apps and those types of things you can go so much if you just get away from what the norm right everybody right. just like seems to jump in and they do the same thing we're going to put in for the henry mountains for utah <laughs> my god in heaven like yeah it would be great <laughs> that's what you, i do yeah well <laughs> right. no, like i mean and there's and the what, difference you guys are talking about <laughs> no, and, and so like uh, jason's a good example of this like i don't know if jason's goals will ever evolve from where they're at currently but if we are just getting started with one place or the other and we know inherently that our odds are going to be very low as we just get started then it makes sense to swing for the fence no matter where we're applying if it's very very low odds we might as well put in for the very best there is my job is to as your points start maturing make you aware that did you know you can go on this hunt or this hunt or this hunt is now available to you as well as equally important if you wait then th this is yes. what else is coming down the pipeline. And sometimes the wait <laughs> means one more year. Sometimes it could be you're headed into like a no man's land where it's another 10 years before any other viable options. And, and my job and the draws job is to show you what that is so that at the end of the day, you're making your own decisions on what is good for you or not with absolute clarity. You have the same right. 10,000 foot view that we do and it works. Right. And so that you don't feel bad about burning your points, you because there's nothing more nerve wracking than burning points, especially once you get six, seven years, eight years into it. It's like investing. Honestly, are we going to cash in and go? And it's very nerve wracking. But if you have the 10,000 foot view and you have five points or four points in one place and the next finish line is currently at 15 and you can still kill or have a chance at the kind of animal that you're wanting to on that hunt, and you could do it three or four times in the amount of time of the next finish line, there's few people that I've met that aren't like, yeah, let's do that. Mm -hmm. But they, but the problem is, is so many don't know. And, and they, interacting the states together. Yes, and they don't right. know, and so they just hey. inherently, they. I mean, how many times this weekend have we talked to guys that are like, I I just, I, I just point only every year because I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And, and again, they end up in these long, drawn-out no-man's land that they have way more than they need for one, and they don't feel like they're getting as much value as they should for how much time and money they've invested. Meanwhile, they can't quite get to the next level, and it's unfortunate. Right. So so now now let's we'll just switch gears, right? So now I'm the guy that has... 12 points in Arizona. I have four points in Utah. I have six points in Colorado for elk. Okay. And, but I, I am, I am wanting to hunt at least two or three elk this coming season. And that's my point layout. And I come to you much like those guys. I just am building points and I don't really know what to do with them. Right. 
So, uh, uh, you know, just like any, any, anything, like first thing we need to address is that you've been doing it wrong. <laughs> Dude, that's good. Right? No, seriously. Yeah, seriously. Well, let's like, do that. It's like, okay, God, like at a minimum, we're going to, we're going to turn this ship north again. <laughs> you're going as quickly as we can. And like I said parts. earlier, yeah, as, as quickly as I can, I'm going to incorporate the missing pieces of your puzzle, like the Wyoming, uh, you know, and we're going to shift back into my core four that we're going to work off of. Now we're going to take a look at your current point status and I'm going to do what I would do as we've built with a guy and say, with your current points that you do have, here's your options. Here's what here's exists. what's available to you. And if you wait, here's what here's what else is coming based on your investment. And then, I mean, it's the same process. You now know what your options are with your points. And if you wait, what those options look like and the reality of it, and you start making your own decisions. But we're immediately going to make a shift and a change to make sure that you we can get the entire jump rope into the mix so that now if it's, you know, if you want to go this year, maybe we use one of those points that you've been building and we you know, we, we piggyback off of what you've done so that you're getting some value out of that already. But maybe we decide, no, we're going to roll the dice in New Mexico aggressively. Maybe we're going to look at that uh, general tag. Maybe we're going to look at a backup plan in Idaho or something like that so that no matter what, we're going to go still. Right. And we don't want to waste the points that you've been building. We just want to educate you so that if we choose to use them, it's your decision based on now you have all the cards on the table. When you say, when you say, uh, apply New Mexico more aggressively, I, because it is just lottery, or is that what you define yeah, it yeah, as? Lottery? Random, lottery. random. So are you just saying that we would focus on units that just have a higher draw percentage more yes. when you say more? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So in, in New Mexico, they have three choices on the application and okay. they're going to look at all three of those choices before they move to the next applicant. So it's really quite fun because no matter what, most of the time you have the option to always at least swing for the fence. If you come <laughs> out really early, by all means, let's go to some elite tag, right? Like some elite hunt. And we lose nothing particularly by choosing to do that as a first choice always. Meanwhile, when I say more aggressively, you know, maybe we are looking at, you know, some units like a 10 or a 12 that have a very low elk density in them, but a chance at a big bigger bowl right and because of that low density people aren't applying as much and or we flip it on its head and we're looking in those northern new mexico units and we're looking to be you know where we have some of the highest elk density in the state but the state is managing for opportunity in those areas with the high elk density and so the age class that exists typically isn't as high because they're putting more hunters in the forest because right. there's more elk. So we're going one direction or the other, but each of them end up inherently with a lot higher odds of drawing versus just sticking to the core, you know, the Gila, the Sacramento's, the, the stuff that everybody's focused on as, as the elite tags in the state. So aggressively means getting away from what is the home run. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Yep. Cool. Well, is there any other topics that you guys want to touch on? I know one that's pretty cool is your guys, kids apply for free. Uh, I, I think that's wicked. You know, yeah. I mean, I have two kids growing up, you know, and knowing, knowing that, that they're applying through you guys for free is, is phenomenal. We're pretty passionate about keeping kids hunting and we designed the kids apply free program for that reason, because that's why our, one of our ways we can give back and try and keep kids hunting because these broken state, agency point systems are really against kids. I mean, if you don't, I mean, my kids obviously will have every point they possibly could have everywhere, anywhere in the country. But a lot of guys don't start like that because they're not doing what we do. And right. then all of a sudden you, you're, you know, you're 18 and you've hunted a little bit with your dad in your home state. And then you go to college and you get out of college and you get your first job. And you, and imagine now we're talking, this is, you sit down and you're like, Oh, I, I need 50 points to go on that hunt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or, I need, or I need 20 points. Maybe it's a 20 point, which is still a realistic goal. Yeah. But now, but now you're starting at 25 when you could have started when you were 10 or 12 and you'd already be there when it's time to go hunting. And, right. And it's, and it's dads realizing what that looks like for their kids and starting putting together. I mean, and, and it's sad, but you have to start putting a plan together again, plan, back to the plan, so your kid can go hunting when he's 
and doing it in a way that has a rhyme and reason to it, right? Like, uh, and starting in the places that, you know, that, that have actual finish lines associated with them and, and actual value for the points that you're getting to, <laughs> to some extent. Like, so here's, here's a, here's one that I, you know, that I deal on that maybe doesn't have like, so two or three of them real quick that I, that I love to point out to guys yeah, that they yeah. probably don't know about kids. Right. So at 10 years old, you can start in, in Arizona and in Idaho. Idaho is just a random drawing every year, but instead of paying $171.69 for a hunting license for $32.49, they can get in that in that draw. And and then from there, so so that one's awesome, right? Right. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> in Arizona, it's a $160 hunting license for me and you, but it's only $5 for, for, kids. for a kid. Right. So whether we're trying to go hunting or we're just getting them started with points, Arizona is definitely a super critical one to get started with because it's so much more cost effective. Right. Once they turn 12 years old, now there's all sorts of places that they can get really started with. But really two particularly that stand out very big to me is is uh, Colorado. So for me and you to get started in Colorado, it's going to cost four hundred and like sixty dollars to be sheep moose goat deer elk and antelope right that's a lot that's a lot of money to freaking be investing in colorado yeah but for a kid it's going it's only a dollar 25 for the hunting license and it's nine dollars a species so for 55 dollars and 25 cents you can be building sheep moose goat deer elk and antelope points all the way till they're 18 right and the other reason why colorado is such a focal point is is that Lots of states purge your points after two years. If you stop doing it for two years, then you lose your points. Colorado doesn't do it for 10 years. Gotcha. So at 18 years old, if you decide, listen, I've, I've laid the foundation and this is on them now. It's so expensive or whatever the case You're may be. You're in college and you can't yeah. afford to go hunting and, or whatever. And the kid, right. the kid just, you know, it's the kid's responsibility now. All the way till he's 28. If he'll do it one time, he resets that clock and all of that foundation that you've built for him is it is right there. You can, you can, you know, he can pick up where you left off and he's not starting at zero. You know, there's all sorts of examples of that that it would take me an hour right. to show you all the different pieces of that puzzle. But just at face value, Arizona and Colorado, even if they're not trying to go hunting and the, and the value you're creating for them and the opportunities later are so critical. Now, if you want to go hunting, right, uh, the, there is no age limit in New Mexico or Kansas or, or a few of these states. But in New Mexico, primarily, they have specific youth hunting codes that only – kids under 18 years old are even viable for to include sheep desert bighorn and rocky mountain bighorn um oryx ibex deer elk prime elk dates prime deer rut dates deer, rut, rut deer rut, yeah right right that, that you're not against the whole world they will so if you're wanting to take your kid hunting in new you know new mexico as soon as they have that hunter safety card literally I mean, Jason's son drew a desert bighorn tag at five years old. Right. And and went hunting at six. Now, we had a lot of naysayers about that, but that tag was going to an 18-year-old or less. Right. And, and I would argue till the day I'm dead that an 18-year-old and a six-year-old have the same concept and have the same awareness of what that tag truly means uh, they're, they're, they're still kids. Kid is a kid. A kid is a kid, no matter what it is. And and New Mexico makes the, the rules, and they're the ones who set the program up. So if you're looking to get your kid going, New Mexico becomes not only because you're, the odds are fantastic for the youth because they're not up against the whole world. They're just up against kids, and especially non-residents. You can imagine how few of guys are ready to invest that kind of money into their kids hunting right. And stuff, right it's right. inherently it's lower there's not as many in that so arizona colorado become these long-term goals and then new mexico is like we're going we want to go and we want to get into it well case in point how many times did you hunt deer before you were 18 mule deer yeah right and i hunted every year because i lived in new mexico yeah and i bet if you had known back then that you could drive south to new mexico and go yeah. deer hunting every year you probably would have back then no a hundred percent and you know and i think that you know it, it really is uh a, a, is, an exciting thing to to get those kids started it's more important than it's ever been um 
who knows what these point systems are going to look like in 20 years, but but for the low amount of investment that it takes to create those opportunities, it's critical. You, you got to. And as long as we've got an adult in the program and we're working towards some goals with them, then it is free. We don't charge a dime to get those kids in on those draws and, and get them help and get them started in the right direction. That's awesome. Because uh, like anything out there in the world today, if we do not keep the youth involved, it is going to go away. Yeah. As as hard as, as us. We've got to as, get them away as, from the screen. Yeah. One as, screen or the other, and we got to get them out. And, it, well, yeah. as hard as all of us may want to believe that hunting is going to be here forever, if we don't get the youth and the kids involved, it won't be. Oh. And. That's that's aw something awesome that you guys are doing. And the statistics say we're not doing a good job of that. Right. Everywhere you look, everyone says, you know, when we're failing, when we're failing right now. Yeah. Currently today, we're failing and at that at that monstrous task. At a minimum, right. we're trying to fight back. Right. Like, anything we can do, you know, it's critical. It, it's our way of life. It's it's our heritage, and the the fights that our kids will have to ensue to keep it alive will be tenfold what the fights we're fighting right now. But if we don't have that strong foundation and that passion instilled in them and start as, as early as we can, uh, the, the war will be lost. Like they have to, you, they got to be as passionate because their fight, I mean, everything points to their fight being a whole lot harder than ours. Right. Even right now. Hands down. Hands down. Well, guys, I really appreciate you taking the last hour and however long to, uh, to do this podcast and, and, I can't thank you enough for letting me do podcasts throughout the week here at your guys' booth. Yeah, no problem, man. Well, it's been, it's been helpful, you sure. know, for sure. So, um, uh, so where, where can people go to get a hold of you guys? How can they get started with you guys? Why don't you just let people know that and then we'll wrap it up. Sure. So I, I, I the first one I think is oddly enough, like if you're on Instagram, follow us, uh, our, our handle is at, we are the draw got a big ram head with green uh, on the logo um you know if you want to keep up with what we're doing keep up with deadlines all of that type of stuff get on our social media at we are the draw we have a facebook as as well we're on linkedin um but instagram definitely seems to be where we're as active as anywhere if you're looking for a phone call 575-222-1234 um that'll ring either to myself or Frank or Jason or, or Gilbert. I mean, it rings to all of us. Somebody's going to pick up and you're going to be on your way to getting the help that you need. And uh, definitely check us out at www.thedraw.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it. You too. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. If you're interested in hunting videos, gear reviews, kill shot compilation, how-to videos, and more, check out the Battle Mountain Media YouTube channel. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoyed the show.